You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. Welcome back to The Big Data Beard Podcast. I'm Brett Roberts. I'm your host for this episode. And with me is Corey Mitten, as co-host. And we have a very special guest, which I'm really excited about. Juliana Vita, who's the Chief Technical Advisor for Splunk. Juliana Thank you so much for joining the podcast. And I have to say, um, by far the best entrance we've ever had for someone. <laughs> so for those of you, Juliana showed up with a very, very luscious, fake, uh, nice brown beard. Uh, great it motivation. Legit. I was totally impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very I much. I beard envy, and that's wor- kind of strange. I worked hard on it. <laughs> it, it, it put all of ours to shame. Indeed. So yeah. welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you very much. Uh, do me a favor. Tell us a little bit about your role within Splunk. Sure. Uh, my role in Splunk is as the chief technical advisor for this public sector. Um, I help with technology evangelism, let's call mm-hmm. it, and increasing our brand awareness across the entire public sector, which for Splunk includes the federal government, which of course is the, DO, the Department of Defense, all the federal agencies, and the intelligence community, plus all state and local governments and higher education. Wow. So it's a lot. It's, yeah. uh, it's kind of like you guys. It's it's coast to coast. That's right. You know, and, uh, and a handful, right? <laughs> and some kind of organizations across the across the uh, globe. So it's a big portfolio. And what we've learned as a company and what our, our corporate leadership has realized lately as well, which is why we rolled out new marketing, is that we aren't very well known um, across mission and business organizations mm-hmm. as, a, as a data platform that can help them with their business problems and their mission problems. Very well known in the IT operations space and security, of course, but we really are a platform, the only platform that can help mission um, execution and achieving business objectives in every single element of, it, of an organization. So I'm here to talk to customers, prospective customers, users, partners about how Splunk really should be the data platform of choice um, to, to move the public sector forward in this uh, crazy technology uh, modernization age. Wow, that's awesome. Now, you're new to this role, new role. Right. Uh, you've had a fairly diverse career leading up to this. Tell us a little bit about kind of where you started your career and the progression that led you to Splunk. Yeah, thanks. It, it's certainly not a career I could have scripted or anyone else could have scripted. But those are the best, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like, man, this is pretty unique and pretty awesome. Um, so I, I joined the Navy out of high school, uh, really because my parents couldn't afford the schools that I wanted, and they made too much for financial aid. So off to the Navy I went. And uh, I have a twin sister. She and I joined together, and we went to language school to be, we thought we were going to be spies. Like we thought, <laughs> and, and this was the end of the 80s before the wall came down. So we went to study Russian. So it was the spy thing was looking pretty good. Um, until, A, the wall came down, <laughs> and B, um, I got redirected off to the Naval Academy. So went off to the Academy, graduated, became a Naval officer, did my tours on ships and in helicopters. Um, fast forward 24 years, I retire. And at the time, I was just randomly assigned to be the executive assistant, read secretary, to the um, gentleman who was the chief information officer for the U.S. Navy in the Pentagon. And I really didn't know much about IT or that <laughs> the Navy had a CIO or what that person did. But I got smart real fast. And um, in the building, you, you, there's no time for being slow. Yeah. So I learned about enterprise architecture and information assurance and portfolio management and cybersecurity. And before you know it, I was kind of an expert in those things. And when I retired out of my uniform, they hired me to be the deputy 
um, CIO. Wow. So I worked in the Pentagon and learned about how the building operates in federal government and the bureaucracy and the policy and the budget. And from there, um, at the time, I was a, a client of a, uh, a major IT research and advisory firm, and um, they asked me to come work for them. So then I worked, moved into the space of advising CIOs of federal agencies and um, CIOs and IT executives. And I learned more about the broader federal government. And then uh, from there, I started digging into some of the technologies and learning about all the other cool jobs out in the world and found Splunk. That's, and they hired me to be the chief technical advisor. That's awesome. And it's a great company. We, we are big fans of it. I have to ask first, how was it working um, in the Pentagon, both in the military than as a civilian? Were there differences? Which one did you like better? Um, boy, that's a great question. I, I actually kind of thrive on being late and like not being late. Waiting until the last minute, procrastinating. I like that pressure and that stress, and it drives me to do my job better, mm -hmm. frankly. So I I liked being in the Pentagon, which is kind of yeah. crazy. The difference between being in uniform and on the civilian side, a lot of differences. One is in uniform, it's very clear what your rank is <laughs> yeah. in, in the organization and who, who you call sir and who you call ma'am and who you don't. And then when you leave that mm -hmm. and you go into the industry, like, nope. Nobody cares what you did when you're in yeah. uniform, really. And you just you have to prove yourself every day. And, mm -hmm. and that was great. I love that. I kind of liked people not judging me on first glance mm -hmm. because of, of the devices I was wearing yeah. or the color uniform. And I got to like bring my real self to the job and show that I could that I could do a great job and be a great partner without people making assumptions. Yeah. That's and, uh, awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. So shifting gears, I want to talk about IT modernization. It's a really important thing right now that a lot of organizations are embracing. What is the state of IT modernization? I know it's a broad question within the public sector. How, where are agencies, organizations at in their modernization journey? Well, that's, uh, you know, back to the wide breadth of the portfolio that I mm -hmm. support for public yep. sector. There are, there are as many customers and organizations as there are. There are probably um, places in the maturity journey. So mm -hmm. as you might imagine, you know, the smaller agencies, smaller governments, municipalities, smaller schools are at a different place in their journey than maybe the larger agencies, but but it's not always a one-to-one. -one. Okay. The largest agencies aren't necessarily further ahead. No. Um, what, what I love, though, is that the timing of talking about IT modernization and helping agencies move forward is so much better now mm -hmm. than it was even five or six years ago. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I remember meetings in the Pentagon where five or six years ago, you talk about commercial cloud and like people had allergic reactions mm -hmm. and in the room and said, they're what do you that's crazy we're never going to go yeah. to the commercial cloud and now look you know now look what um some of the vendors have have come up with with security and mm -hmm. um segmentation of data and the things that the government really is concerned about and those capabilities exist today and people are talking about technology and they're talking about it budget um improving the budgets and legislation that includes language about you shall you know modernize your environment for example so the timing is perfect. Yeah. We have the attention of the senior leaders, budget decision makers that are, they want our help. Mm -hmm. And that's a great place to be. Yeah. So, you know, more of an embracing of cloud mo operating model going off uh, prem. Uh, AI, obviously a big thing in the federal space mm -hmm. right now with some of the executive orders that have come out. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other trends that you're seeing in this space as it relates to data and analytics? And how is Splunk positioning itself to kind of meet those trends? Right. 
So you mentioned AI. Of course, we, we have to, the obligatory AI. AI and AI is everything, right? right. Yeah. Talk about we that. We can't have a conversation. No, we can't. Um, we'll change our name to the AI. Beard the AI. <laughs> it's probably not a bad If you could think of official hair name that starts with an A, that would be perfect. Ooh, okay. I'll, think, I'll, I'll put my creative cap on. Um, Corey's thinking. <laughs> I, so the question was, you know, what other technologies? There's, yeah. there's plenty. There's, you know, the, the, the Bitcoin thing and there's the, um, robotics process automation and there's mm-hmm. voice recognition software and all those things. But one thing that I love to be able to bring to those conversations is that none of those exist without data. Mm-hmm. They're all reliant on big data sets. You guys sure. know that. That really often gets lost in the conversation. Absolutely. It's let's talk about how we can bring AI to, you know, warfighting systems or let's talk about how AI can help us, um, you know, make the, the tax filing system faster. And yeah. all of that is true. But if organizations don't remember that the underlying foundation of all of that, all of that is big data sets, mm-hmm. their, their outcomes mm-hmm. aren't going to be optimized. Yeah. Enter Splunk. So that's where I love being behind a product that really does provide the engine, you know, the, the foundation for all of these other technologies to, to really do what they were meant to do. Um, you could, you could um, come up with some really crazy outcomes and some really bad outcomes if you're relying on just the the bright, shiny object um, element of AI and ML, if you're not really careful mm-hmm. about the data that you're bringing in to drive those yeah. automated decisions. So, so that's the Splunk brand promise, is that we you know, bring in data from any source, from any location, to do whatever a customer might want, customer might want done with it, mm-hmm. including creating um, machine language algorithms mm-hmm. or AI you know, systems. So that's, that's our secret sauce. I feel that... In the past, this might have been counterintuitive, though, that you know, government agencies, especially some of the three-letter ones, might be very um, just protective of data and silo their data, which is, again, Splunk's uh, mission statement is bring all mm-hmm. the data into one central repository. Mm-hmm. How are you seeing these organizations kind of embrace that, yeah. that mindset? It's so funny because just yesterday we met with the CIO of one of those three-letter agencies, um, and, a, and uh, last week there was just some – we've been – there's a groundswell of – um, those agencies bringing Splunk in because mm-hmm. they realize that capturing the data that currently is lost, mm-hmm. it's, it's exhaust. We call it data exhaust or yeah. dark data. They are realizing that that's a huge missed opportunity to be able to get to their mission outcomes faster. Mm-hmm. And I really think it's about transparency too. That's one of our Splunk core values is transparency. So we, we talk very openly and honestly with our customers about yep. those security concerns and those data you know, segmentation concerns. And so we build a trusted partnership with them mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, I'm here to sell you something. Trust me, it's going to work. <laughs> we don't operate that way. You know, it's a, it's a longstanding relationship yep. that we build. Proof, you know, we show proof. Yep. We do proofs of concept and proofs of value. And they really are starting to, to recognize what, what you all see, what our customers see as the value of, mm-hmm. hey, Splunk can really help me make use of this valuable asset that I have yep. in my data and get to mission decisions faster. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, yeah, even the three letters. I mean, it's it, and, it, and when you can win them over, yeah. you know, you've, you've got something there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious. There was a there were some big announcements over the last few weeks around mm-hmm. Splunk's strategy around data to everything. Love your shirt. It's, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So it's to bring data to everything, and I think that's one of the things that, that challenges so many organizations is one understanding the use case on what am I trying to solve for, and then understanding the data sets, and then getting the tools. Tell me how how this what you're doing with data to everything how. Splunk is trying to simplify that view of the data collection to actually get into an outcome that solves a real business problem. What in the data to everything 
kind of announcements and kind of branding is helping to achieve that outcome. Right. So in the data to everything, I think what we've finally done is just made a really broad statement about what we all know is true, that everything around us, if you just look around where we are right now, there, you know, there's the data that's being gathered in this interview right here. There's a guy right there on his phone. He's got something flashing on his bike that may or may not be connected there's to his a, GPS. There's an IoT RV right behind there's me. There's an yeah. IoT <laughs> RV right behind me. There are sensors tracking, you know, how many people are going in and out of the stores and the restaurants. Yeah. And all of that is capturing data. Where is it going? Gee, I don't know. Oh, smartwatch. Uh, most of us don't think about what, who's doing stuff with that data. Mm -hmm. Where is it actually going? And when we find that we're in front of customers and we just do what I just did with you guys and say, look here, look there, look there, they go, oh, oh, yeah, I guess I am capturing data from my customers or my citizens on my website through the survey that we just sent out mm -hmm. or the paperwork that we, you know, the survey that we did online and the one that we did mm -hmm. in the mail. And we bring it in and we put it through a Scantron or, you know, all of that data that's being captured, people want to now hear about, how do I actually yeah. use that? Mm -hmm. And so the opportunity is there for us to talk about, we can help you um, automate some of those processes that your people are spending their time mm -hmm. doing now in manual spreadsheets and data calls. And there's any number of use cases, once you start helping people realize how data is used in their environment, mm -hmm. it's all about them. So with you guys, we talk about the IoT RV. With the department, you know, in health and human services, we talk about electronic health record. Mm -hmm. With hospitals, we talk about the opioid crisis and how mm -hmm. we can help identify who, who's opening that cabinet more frequently than they should and who's, who's writing prescriptions for patients that aren't even in this hospital anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is real-world problems yeah. that we are helping organizations and leaders see that they can solve mm -hmm. if they just let the data do the talking. Yeah. You know, and data don't lie. That's you know, it, it's it's right there, and it's yeah. real, and it's raw, and and you know we can help in near real time make that data real. It may give you an emotional response, but the data yeah. is generally unemotional. <laughs> exactly, that's a great point. So, are you seeing customers that are um, turning to Splunk? They're not bringing all their data in at one time. They're probably starting with a couple different data sets or use cases. What are the the more common use cases that you're seeing customers in this sector? kind of gravitate to to start with? Yeah, I mean, even still, it's not a secret. I mean, most of our customers start with IoT, or I mean, um, sorry, IT operations, mm -hmm. log management, you know, um, audit trails, mm -hmm. things like that, and security. Okay. What's going on in my environment? Am I being hacked? Where, uh, I mean, I am being hacked, but how much am I being <laughs> yeah. hacked? And, and is it a problem? You know, and yeah. is it a problem, and what am I going to do? Yeah. Most of our customers start there. Okay. Yeah. And that's where they start to build the the they very quickly realize there's so much more power mm -hmm. in that data yeah. that they can help the operations people and they can help the finance people and they can help the war fighters and the, and the pilots mm -hmm. and the tank drivers and the, the medics. And They're beyond help, the tank drivers, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> Says the I was, that was in my head, but I wasn't, I wasn't going to let it come out. And so use cases, IT operations and security, but that quickly goes way beyond to, again, business outcomes, mm -hmm. mission outcomes. And that's really exciting to see when the customer kind of has that aha moment yeah. and says, oh my gosh, I can also do these 10 other things you yeah. know, that can really help us um, achieve our mission, save time, save money, mm -hmm. put people to work doing really cool things. The aha moment, that's the second time we've heard that on this trip. It's, <laughs> it's a trend. What's your favorite aha moment from your time talking to customers? Um, I think my aha moment is smart. Smart Campus. Okay. So some of the higher education 
universities that we work with are, mm -hmm. are ones that you may have heard of in on ESPN or you know like big schools, mm -hmm. big schools with big research departments and big healthcare facilities. And when we talk to them about what they're doing to help student the student experience, mm -hmm. that's something that I didn't used to think about, you know, because I was in the federal space. Mm -hmm. And now I think about all the things that students have to deal with. You know, their their parents are dealing with financial aid, and they're working on they're dealing with um, onboarding as a freshman, or they're rushing a sorority or fraternity, and they're I don't know going to class every now and then, <laughs> you know, trying to graduate. What schools are doing with data to help that that student experience be more seamless and make them successful for the future is is really exciting to me. Awesome. Um, I have nieces and nephews and my son's getting ready to go into college himself. That's really important to me, you yeah. know, as, well, one as a taxpayer for public universities, <laughs> but also as a parent, yeah. as, an, as, a, as an aunt, as an uncle. And um, those kind of, they hit you in the feels, mm -hmm. you know, when yeah, you absolutely. realize that students' lives are going to be better yep. because of the data that, that these universities are using. No, that's important. Uh, and, and technology is, is a big driver, but it's not just about the technology, right? There's other things that go into really impacting or driving this modernization effort, yeah. uh, culture being one of them. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on kind of how culture uh, acts or plays in this driver of you know, modernization? Yeah, frankly, that recognition of culture and the non-technical pieces of modernization being important is one of the things that led Splunk to create the role that I'm in. And the reason that they hired me and not somebody with a computer science degree, because I don't have one, or <laughs> you know, a data engineer or a data scientist, mm -hmm. they realized that they needed somebody who had field experience, mm -hmm. had been on the receiving end mm -hmm. of technology, and then worked on the policy. And, um, and I, I just have a knack for talking for, with people. <laughs> so the idea is to talk to people in their terms, mm -hmm. what matters to them mm -hmm. about how technology and data can help them achieve their objectives. That's all about relationship building and being honest and transparent. And to your point about building a culture where not just the CIO, not just the CISO, not just the C-level executives in an organization, but everyone in the organization mm -hmm. feels like they're part of that modernization um, transformation. Because if you've got people who they don't feel like, like they don't understand what cloud is or they mm -hmm. don't know what AI is or ML, most people aren't going to dime themselves out and say, I, I don't know what that is. Could you please educate <laughs> yeah. me? So that's where leaders have to come in and be intentional and forthcoming about, let me help you learn about why data is important. Let me help you learn new skills. Let me help you be part of this transformation so you can feel included and not left out. And all of that is culture. Mm -hmm. It's um, bringing IT out of the back room and bringing it into the rest Give of the Give them a seat at the table. Absolutely. Yep. All yeah. people want to feel included. You know, remember how much it sucked being not picked for the kickball team or not picked for the softball team? <laughs> I mean, maybe it was only me that didn't get picked, <laughs> but I didn't like that. That's being excluded. Uh, yeah. We want to include people. Absolutely. You know, and, um, and technology is just a great way to do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm curious. So one of the things that we, we talk about, and we've had a, a number of conversations here, is the, the concept of inspiring women in tech because yeah. there's a whole generation of of young ladies out there. I'm a father of a beautiful daughter that she is so interested in technology. It's yep. hilarious. But I'm curious from your perspective, having been successful in technology, what advice would you give to young women that are interested in it mm -hmm. um, to inspire them, to give them a reason that they are important in technology evolution? Well, that is, that's a whole other segment, but, um, but I, will start, it up, girl. I, no, I will start, I will start with this. There is proof that right around the junior high mm -hmm. age and the preteen or t tween age, 
is when girls' interest in, in STEM and tech drops way down. Really? Okay. Because of peer pressure. Because mm-hmm. they don't feel included. They start realizing they're the only girl in the math class. Yeah. Or they're not being invited to play pickup baseball with all the other boys. And they start to feel like, I'm not part of that. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm different. And they, they go away. So I would say for the younger kids, the younger girls and parents of younger girls, make sure that you continue to can remind them of how smart they are and yeah. their interest in STEM early. Get them over the hump yeah. of junior high and they'll be so much better off. Yeah. That's one. Yeah. Number two is have the adults in their life seek out women who are in these roles and just ask them to have conversations with women. Bring them to schools. Bring them to um, you know career days. Mm-hmm. Bring them. Put their their face on the posters in the school. That's like, hey, look, my my mom does this or my aunt yeah. does that. Just bring them into bring women into the overall storytelling of how we tell stories about people they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you know, once you get into to college and to into the professional world, I try to encourage women. Don't expect this to happen organically. Like, don't expect for opportunities to just come to you. Reach out, talk to people that you admire, mm-hmm. talk to people that are successful, men and women, mm-hmm. and ask them for, for their advocacy. Ask yeah. them for their support, and they will help you. Mm-hmm. If you just expect this to happen and you're just going to like show up one day and, and become the CIO of some organization, not likely to happen. <laughs> so, you know, I try to encourage women to, to be the owner of their own career and their own yeah. future. And fortunately, now there's enough women out there that there are people to look at as examples. So we just need to go find them. Yeah. And ask ask for their help. Make them superstars. Amen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Extremely important. Uh, on the similar uh, thread, uh, you're a veteran. Yep. Uh, I think that you know one of the things that's near and dear to my heart is how do we help veterans kind of transition to new new roles outside yeah. of the military. I know in the past Splunk has done some stuff through their Splunk for Good around uh, training veterans in technology. What are your thoughts on that? And what are, what is your advice to someone trying to transition from the military into corporate America? Um, another, yeah, another great question and, and near and dear to my heart. Yeah, Splunk definitely has, we have free training for veterans. We market it and, and, and advertise it all over the place so that people can go look for that. But in addition to just the technology training, back to the culture mm-hmm. and the people yep. piece, when I speak with veterans who are in transition or at career conferences, I remind them of the skills that they bring to industry that mm-hmm. they may not realize are completely transferable mm-hmm. to technology. Things like agility, they're used to moving and, and picking up their families and, and moving into a new environment mm-hmm. and quickly meeting new people and learning new skills. That's agility. That's yeah. really important yep. in technology. Um, teamwork and collaboration, especially now with our work, the way we do work is changing, you know, from the office building mm-hmm. to the remote work. Being able to figure out the best way to work with a remote team or, or team members that you maybe don't know that well, that's another skill. Communication skills. Um, and being action, I should say bias to action. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, in the military, it's all about executing the mission. That is, you show up, you do a thing, you execute an outcome. That's really important in the, in the business world. It's really important to come in and be biased to what outcome am I going to help, you know, make happen today. Not just I'm going to sit here at a desk and, like, do stuff all day long. <laughs> so bias for action is something that, and when I say these things to veterans, they go, oh, yeah, I guess I, guess I can do that. You know, even if I was a medic or even if, even if I was a helicopter yeah. pilot, I have all these other innate soft skills that are, are, are 100% transferable to, mm-hmm. um, to any company now. 
No. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that, that Splunk is doing so much uh, to support the veterans. I think that's just a great thing. Um, so since this is the hashtag road trip to conf and <laughs> conf is right around the corner, uh, what are you most excited about for conf 19? Okay. Uh, so I'll just say it. I've never been to conf. Um, so I'm, I'm a brand, oh, yeah. brand new. I know, right? So <laughs> it, it is our favorite week of the year. Just that's FYI, why that's, that's why we're doing this. Got, it is I, our favorite week of I the totally year. I totally get it. So um, can I can I pick four? Yes. Can I pick four of my favorite things? Only four, though. <laughs> Number one, engaging with customers. Yep. Um, I love listening to people not only talk amongst themselves, mm-hmm. but talk with us about what they love, what they don't love, what they wish we would do, what they wish we would do more of. I... That, that is what drives me to, to come to work and to do the things I do. So we have in the pub, public sector, we have two sessions, one for federal government and one for SLED. We call it state, local, and higher education, where I'll, I'll kick those sessions off with like a quick, you know, hey, I'm kicking this off. But then it's all about the customers sitting down and talking about topics amongst themselves, whether it's ransomware or customer experience or um, IoT. And they talk. They talk about how they're mm-hmm. using Splunk, and they, they kind of they learn from each other. So that's one. That's one thing. Number two, back to the culture piece. Um, two, of, two of my colleagues in the sales organization and public sector, Katie Mann and Pam Sotnik, are going to be doing a session on basically finding balance in your work mm-hmm. through job sharing. So at a technology conference, you would think, well, what, what's that all about? But back to this, this thing about how we're changing the way we work. Mm-hmm. A lot of organizations in public sector, this may not come as a surprise, have a hard time retaining talent. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they have a hard time competing with companies that want that talent. So what they're going to talk about at that session is really creative ways on how you can share jobs and share work with people to incentivize them to stay in your organization. So that's number two. Um, actually, I'll, I'll cut it down to number three. And number, number three is because we're in Las Vegas, I'm looking forward to Texas Hold'em. Oh, <laughs> so nice. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Texas Hold'em. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Juliana, it's been super awesome talking to you and hearing about how Splunk is impacting uh, modernization within the public sector, all the things Splunk's doing to help uh, you know, the different areas from veterans to, to women in tech. Uh, we want to shift gears a little bit. We think you're super interesting professionally. Uh <laughs> And we just want to get to know you a little bit more personally in a section we call Rapid Fire. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Pew, pew. Here's your first question. What is the most interesting thing you've ever seen splunked? Besides the IoT RV. Um, uh... A, per, a guy, a guy I know, used Splunk to decide whether he should ride his bike to work or not. Ooh, I like that. Based nice. on the weather patterns and traffic patterns and stuff. That's brilliant. What is your favorite app in Splunk Base? Um, I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> app in Splunk Base. Are you like an ITSI fan? Are you like like actually a nerdy UBA? App? UBA? Super UBA cool. Is That's cool. Super I agree. Cool. I agree. <laughs> and a little scary. Sure. Now, there's a lot of technology that is making life better. But is there a piece of technology that is making your life worse? Uh, I don't use it because I think it would make my life worse. But I think all the voice activated, yeah, like spooky stuff. <laughs> spooky that's stuff. like they're now they're putting it in hotels. And oh stuff. yeah, it's going. Not for me, man. All right. So, what's your favorite <laughs> Splunk T-shirt quote? 
I love the one that says, um, finding your faults just like mom. <laughs> that's true. That's You're the, sec- the second person to say that. <laughs> that's number two. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, is there a, a show that you're binging on these days? <laughs> okay. I'm g- yes. Uh-oh. It's okay. embarrassing. HGTV, very Brady renovation. So they <laughs> okay, bought wait. a house. Let's, let's unpack bought- <laughs> this a little bit. What is this? HGTV uh-huh. bought the house in California that was used for the facade of the Brady Bunch. No. <laughs> and they turned it into the Brady Bunch house. So they ripped out everything in it and they rebuilt Greg's groovy pad and the bedroom. <laughs> the and, office. Uh, I am not awesome. all of it. It wow. was pretty cool and pretty nerdy and I loved it. Oh, awesome. And I, I just keep watching it over and over. <laughs> so you're binging the same, yeah, same, same thing. thing. Same thing. Like, All right. Show me Jan's, you know, bedroom again. Show me Bobby's, you know, whatever. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. All right. So you get to travel a bunch. Uh-huh. What's the next really interesting place you're going? Besides conf? Besides conf. Besides conf. Yeah. I'm actually starting to work more with our sled partners mm-hmm. and I'm going next week. I'm going to the national association of state CIOs Okay. and um, that will be brand new for me okay. and they will be the CIOs from all of the state. Well, I think all of the states, I mean, most of them haven't looked at the registration list today, but hearing about what's going on in each different state mm-hmm. from an IT, pers- IT perspective and where their pain points are. Yeah. Honestly, that's like, that's super cool and new to me yeah. and uh, I can't wait. That's next week. Well, awesome. awesome. Well, I tell you what, we're excited to have you on the podcast. I want to make sure and invite you to check out the IOTRV when oh, we're yeah. at comp. So it's actually going to be on the floor mm-hmm. at the conference. And uh, thank you for joining us on the Big Get a Beard podcast. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you guys. This was great. You got your awesome. actually. This is the play part. You're between two beards. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks, thank guys. You. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard podcast. This amazing adventure would not be possible without our incredible sponsors. We thank you, Dell Technologies, VMware, Red River Technologies, Aero Electronics, and Converging Data for making the road trip to Splunk.conf 2019 possible. And be sure to smash that thumbs up button so we can keep the episodes coming. Until next time, keep being awesome.